Hi, I'm Mario Evan, and you're listening to Talk Trot, a weekly inspired edutainment podcast discussing the things that most people are afraid to, but from a Jamaican perspective. From relationships, sex and sexuality, to the ins and outs of entrepreneurship, in this space we speak about almost anything with the intention to inspire, educate, entertain, and create a fair and balanced space where your truth shall become your power and set you free. Wagwan, my people, guess what? Episode number 11, can you believe it? Of Talk Truth. This is your boy, Maria Evan, as always, and it's Sunday, and we are happy to be here. Today's episode is another mental health episode. It's the second time we're doing one. We had one before with Nairi, which ended up being about body dysmorphism, and that was pretty interesting. And today I'm going to speak with a gentleman who goes by the name of Marlon Simpson. He's a clinical psychologist, and we're going to talk about loneliness versus being alone. Uh, Marlon, welcome to Talk Truth. All right, thank you. It's good to be here. How are you today? I'm good. I'm feeling good. You're feeling good? All right. You are a clinical psychologist. Um, well, first of all, tell us a bit about yourself. Where are you from in Jamaica? What is Where you come from? Well, I'm from the lovely parish of St. Andrew. You, <laughs> you hardly hear anybody say that, right? <laughs> the lovely parish of St. Andrew. Oh, that's good. I am too. Born and bred, right? Right, right. Born and bred. Mm-hmm. Right. And I mean, I mean, although I've spent some time in other parishes, nothing beats St. Andrew. Oh, wow. I've never heard that either. You're just killing me. I like know, You're right? killing me right now. And um, in terms of clinical psychology, why do you think you chose that profession and you know what drew you to it all right i started out as a minister of religion and i still do some work in that area but i i felt that i could do a whole lot more with a clinical psychology degree because when you're a minister of religion you can only counsel people to a point right but when you're a clinical psychologist you can deal with not only everyday issues so from start of counseling to the end but you can deal with mental illnesses. You can deal with everyday challenges that people go through. Interesting. And I guess the beauty of being a minister of religion is that it really brought you in contact with a lot of different people and different scenarios. Right. And, you know, many people think that when you're a minister of religion, you deal only with religious people. I tell people that perhaps 1% of the persons I dealt with were religious or had a religious orientation. Right, so it's not necessarily the church people per se as people would want to, to submit. And the issues weren't necessarily church issues either. No, they weren't. What the hell they are weren't. church issues anyway? But um, what are church <laughs> issues? Are there typical things that would come up in a church space different from life space? Honestly, no. It's just life. It's just life. Yeah. And that's what a lot of people don't really understand that church people, people are who don't go to church, we all have the same issues. We all just people. We're all just people. Just that some go to church, some don't go to church, but we're going through the same thing, right? Different day. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, that was hard for me to wrap around. I mean, that's a whole nother podcast, right? We won't even delve into it because yeah. I know we could actually talk a whole a whole episode about about that. Thanks for the thanks for another topic. I might you're bring welcome. you back for that one. Anytime you're ready. All right. What I want to do, I'm gonna start with some definitions because I think they help us to help to guide our conversation. So I have a definition for alone. And the adjective for alone is having no one else present, right? Right. And I'm going to contrast that with a definition of loneliness, which is sadness because one has no friends or company. Right. And um, one of the reasons I wanted to do this episode is because I have a lot of friends and acquaintances. Um, you and I know each other a little bit, and you know it's hard to find me. Oh, yes. And you look at my Instagram, <laughs> you see me at a party, you just wonder when does Mario find time to sit down and do nothing. Right. So right. finding company for me is not difficult. But there was one evening I came home, and it it just it just come down upon me like a shadow. I just felt mm-hmm. I, I felt I felt alone. Mm-hmm. And for me, I feel like no one else was around. Mm-hmm. And I was alone in the house. So right. I was really alone. Right, right. I didn't want to define it as loneliness because I have friends and I have company and I could have found company if I really wanted to. But as much as a part of me wanted to see somebody else, I was like on the verge of not really wanting to see somebody. 
Right, right, right. So I was stuck between this rock and this hard place where I kind of don't feel. So I was sad. I guess I was get going through loneliness because I didn't realize I was sad. I felt away. That's true. I thought I was just alone, but now that we're talking about it, I realize I was probably lonely. Right, and so many people think that loneliness is the same thing as being alone. And one of the things that I found was that loneliness, or there are seven types of loneliness. Right. And six deal with other human beings. The seventh one deals with the absence of an animal. Oh, so wait, what was one through five? Did I, what did I miss? One through six. Oh, one, through three, one through six mean, deals with um, not having another human around. Right. And seven is the absence of an animal. It's the absence of an animal. Maybe I need a pet. <laughs> <laughs> and I would get a German shepherd like I am legend. I decided that long time ago. From the yard space is a shepherd. Right, right. <laughs> They're very good dogs. Yeah. But when we think about loneliness, loneliness is not just the absence of another physical body or, or, or the absence of persons. It's the overall inability to manage or to even engage others. Right. And that, that's not even voluntary. That's the thing. So loneliness is involuntary. Right, right. And as you said a while ago, when the loneliness came down on you, that's what many persons feel. Yeah. They feel that I want to engage, I want to be around people, but there's a something blocking that, that, that energy. I felt blocked. And I was actually physically tired as well, too. So that never helped. Right, right. So right. even if I wanted to leave the house, I kind of didn't feel like moving. But then... Then you wonder also, maybe I was feeling fatigued because I was sad and that could have been depression. Anyway, we'll get to do, get to that, right? Because <laughs> right, that's a possibility right. too, right? That is a possibility as well. All right. I want to drop one more definition before I speak to you about your personal experience. Um, social isolation, which is voluntary versus loneliness, which is involuntary. And I have a definition here which says that social social isolation is a state of complete or near complete lack of contact between an individual and society and it differs from loneliness which reflects temporary and involuntary lack of contact with other humans in the world right and you know as public figures we tend to like to have our alone time mm-hmm. and that's 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 always important but when it comes to a point where you're in a crowd of persons that is where loneliness can exist as well. Many persons don't realize that. Okay, I you like You can that. be in a huge crowd of persons around you physically and you just feel alone. You feel lonely. You see, this is the thing now. And I wanted to differentiate them, but I think it's hard to really put them far apart because one can kind of lead to the other. Right. So they can brush close shoulders, right? Yes, yes, very, very close. My thing with mental health is the trickiest part is one apart from us as Caribbean people generally not being the type to seek help. Right. Um, I find that gauging where you are on a mental health scale is tricky, which mm-hmm. is probably why you need to seek help, right? Right, right. We have a lot of persons who self-diagnose and when you start to self-diagnose, that's where the issues come up. Or self-treat. Or self-treat. That's even worse. Yeah, because self-medication can come in the form of marijuana. Or you can come in the form of me telling myself that I don't really need to see somebody professional because I'm fine. Or what we see a lot of times in the Caribbean context and even in the helping profession as well, where persons listen to other persons' advice. Mm -hmm. But the challenge is what works for you may not work for me. Right. All right. So, Marlon, I know you're here as a clinical psychologist, but I know you're also willing to share with us your experience in one of these categories, I'm going to allow you to tell me what have you experienced? Is it being alone, loneliness, social isolation? And um, what were you going through in those periods of, in that time period and what you felt and how you dealt with it? Well, can I choose all of the above? <laughs> You've been in well, all three categories <laughs> at some point. Right. But for me, one of the, the prominent ones I can remember is definitely loneliness mm-hmm. because I'm always out, I'm always doing things, I'm always engaging people, but there was this involuntary feeling of just being unable to connect with people on an emotional level. Right. And I think that's what helps to make me, I guess, a fair enough clinical psychologist because I'm aware that I have my own issues going on. 
right? So on a personal level, you have personal insight and experience, which allows you to be empathetic. Right, right. So I would never say that I understand exactly what someone is going through, but I can say, boy, from my experience, this is what I have been going through. Right. And there have been moments when I'm dealing with clients, I'm engaging them, I'm with them. And when I go home, I'm just not managing. I'm, I feel lonely. Right. <coughs> and um, I realize you said that you engage people a lot, um, which brings me into persons like us who um, are in healthcare. We will engage numerous people in, throughout the course of a day at a high, high functioning level. Lots of customer service, lots of laughing, lots of smiling, lots of engagement. Right. And then we close the doors and we come home and we're not, we're not boxing off the walls anymore. Right, right. So you said most of your engagement, you would you say that was professional? Right, professional. And what have you, what have personal stuff now? And what I'm really asking you is, how would you describe your social personality outside of work? Are you a party person? Are you a homebody? What do you like to do versus what really happens? What I'd like to do is to just go out every day, interact with people on a social level. Not necessarily for parties, but to just engage persons on a whole. Does it matter the, the quality of the person? So you prefer close friends or it could just be random new people? No, definitely close <laughs> friends. <laughs> I ask you, because some people really just enjoy meeting new people. That could be their buzz, you know? Right. No, my, my, my thing is I'm, I'm definitely one who sticks to close friends. Right. So in an ideal world, you could engage people who matter, right. but on a regular basis in spaces that are non-professional. Right, right. Because... When persons find out what you do, they start asking questions outside of sessions. They start to engage you. They start to just bombard you with a number of comments and questions. And, oh, how do you deal with this? How do you deal with that? Oh, this is when they find out what you do professionally? Right. And they forget that we're human beings as well. I think sometimes we forget that we're human beings as well. I'm not going to lie. Some professions don't really exist as humans in our culture. And I find like when you're a police officer, when you're a minister of religion, sometimes doctors too, but not so much I feel as, as those two, police and minister. And the others, it's like you don't expect them to do normal things. Right, right. You can't rock and dance at the party. You can't know a dance or sanka your minister. You're not supposed to bounce to it. Not even the music can inspire you. Right, right. And if I find too that even when you're when I'm when I go out with persons who are, I consider close friends, sometimes you you're you're moving to a tune and then they're looking at you like, Why are you doing that? Aren't you really just oriented? And I say to them, But I'm human. Right. And then that's a whole conversation about perception and judgments and whatever they expect you to be. Right. So when I go out, I want to be human. I want to be normal. But in engaging persons, there are times when, even when I'm with close friends, there are those moments when I do feel lonely. Right. So they're hanging, we're hanging out, we're, we're having a good time, and then just something comes over me, and it's just like, I'm just not connecting with my friends. I feel like I'm your shrink because I'm going to press on, you know. I want you to um, paint a picture of what loneliness was f like for you in any of the scenarios that you were in when you felt that, that time and how it how it crawled upon you like how oh, many crawl upon me what it takes you through and maybe how it ends or used to end because i don't know maybe you have a coping mechanism now right. or maybe like all humans were on a journey and it will come and go right we're all definitely on a journey but when it comes on to that that episode of, of feeling lonely and it, it's something that happened around my birthday mm -hmm. in June where I, I, I call it a croaking lizard crawling up your leg. It's it's pretty rapid and it, it just quick onset. I don't want to know about that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm not afraid of lizards, right. but the thought of it. So it was a, a, a gathering for my birthday and there were persons there, they were celebrating, but then the conversations that I was having, it just felt like I wasn't connecting with people. So people weren't really interested in what I was saying. So I started to pull back. But you, I realized you own the responsibility. So you felt it quite like it was you? What if it was them? I mean, I don't know. That's a good point. And, and that's something else that, that we all have to evaluate. Is it us or is it somebody else? Yeah. But we have to be in a space where we're able to own our own things. 
and I was able to own that I was the one who was pulling back, that I was the one who wasn't connecting with persons. And so that sense of loneliness was coming on. And, and this was in a intense. space that was created to celebrate you. Right. Yet you weren't feeling happy in the space. I wasn't feeling happy. And it's not for lack of them trying or, or even engaging me. Did you I, feel like it was a genuine a genuine expression of, of celebration of, of, of you? Yes, yeah, it was. Right, it so. was. Oh, and that's one of the things that, that I guess carries over from my, pr- my professional life to personal where I'm able to rely heavily on my gut. Right. So I know what persons are feeling or the feeling that I'm getting from them. And in that space, I was definitely getting a good vibe from everybody, but I was just not able to connect. Which is why you were able to own it as, as you. Right. What do you think was causing it? If you know, if you knew. At the time, I, I didn't know, but looking back, sometimes, or, or in that instance rather, it was my own insecurities about my worth who I am, my value in these persons' lives. Right. And I started to pull back and I'm like, am I boring? Am I not engaging enough? Are people even liking me? Are they here for some other strange reason? And I had to really, even unconsciously, block out that kind of thinking and say, well, no, if they didn't care, they wouldn't have been here. If I was boring, they wouldn't want to engage me. And it's literally changing the script in my mind. That's the process I had to to go through. All right, let's hold on to that changing the script in your mind because we'll talk about that in terms of one of the solutions for trying to feel better. But I like where you segue. You segue into the voices in our head. Right. And um, that may be a large part of why we feel lonely, personal insecurities. And this doesn't have to be yours specifically, but what what do you think are some of the things that feed us? I mean, and if you care to share yours, you can. Mm -hmm. Um, let me take the lead on this one. I don't know. I'm interesting. I don't. Let me think about this. It. Weird, you know that you ask me, but I know I have some, right, and right. I know that sometimes in public spaces, even though most days I'm gregarious and cheerful, that I will withdraw. Right. Um, sometimes just instinctively, based on a gut feeling, or sometimes if something triggers it, right, something someone says or does, consciously or unconsciously. And then we respond consciously and unconsciously. And we respond, yes, appropriately. But I don't know why it creates a feeling of loneliness. But I don't know. What do what you have to say about the triggers, the voices? Sometimes we are our worst enemy. Make me tell you. <laughs> and we create storylines in our minds. And this is what I see from time to time. Persons create storylines in their minds. And once they create the storylines... They begin to believe it mm-hmm. and they begin to accept it. They begin to embrace it. And it really has nothing to do with the situation. Self-limiting beliefs. Self-limiting beliefs, self-esteem. All these things are connected mm-hmm. and they can lead to a feeling of loneliness. Uh, well, as you said, there are other medical reasons that may trigger loneliness. Right. We can get into that as well. Right. Um Actually, I have generally, I feel like, like you, I have good judgment. So I feel like I can gauge people and I feel like if I'm being overbearing, I'll pull back. Right. But occasionally I'll have moments with people who don't know me very well where I may feel like I'm being too much. Right. And, and I, meaning that I know my attention to detail. I know certain things I like when I'm ordering food at a restaurant. I don't know little things that are quick and fast paced and maybe the other person is very laid back right. and I catch right. myself. And in the moment when I catch myself, I start to feel insecure. Right, right. So then I start to feel like I've annoyed you. I'm too much. I was too much. And then I pull back and then I pull back and just reclu- go in a reclusive stage. <laughs> right, right. And that's lock off. And, and, and that's one of the things that I think as Caribbean people and specifically as Jamaicans, we're very vocal. Yeah. We will tell you exactly how we feel. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking that if somebody is genuinely uncomfortable with something that we do, Either they will see it or we'll see it on their faces. Yeah, I, I guess so. I guess so. Um, interesting. All right. I have, I have a little bit of science for people because, you know, sometimes we got to pull on the studies. Um, there is an article here from Harvard University and it's titled Loneliness, an Epidemic? Question sign, right? It was written April 16, 2018. It's a blog post by Hannah Schultz, right? It speaks pretty much to the UK 
<laughs> having interventions for loneliness because there are even more people diagnosed with loneliness than STIs. And um, mm -hmm. they even have a loneliness minister, this is Tracy Crouch, this is in 2018, to help combat the country's chronic loneliness problem. <laughs> Right, right. And that it's in the U.S. is even labeled an epidemic worthy of public health intervention. Where I want to lead you with this, um, this, this whole article is, do you think people are becoming more lonely for various reasons and what are these things? That's a very good question. I'll throw in social media, which can be Definitely. good and bad, but this is the bad I'm talking about now. Right. When we're talking about loneliness and if we go to England, there's a two-year waiting list for persons to see a therapist. Right. And most of the issues that come up are matters of loneliness, of depression, anxiety, that in one way or another are all related to loneliness, which we'll get into later on. Right. But in the Caribbean context, and specifically in Jamaica, from my experience, I think that persons are, are becoming a lot more lonely now. Yeah than say 10 15 years ago and uh, you mentioned social media as well i find where persons are more engaged on facebook on snapchat on, on instagram. instagram and all the others but they purport the highest level of loneliness you mean the, the ones who are engaged? who are engaged but the truth is jamaica oh let, let us not even say social media technology advances mm. in technology because back in the day when my parents were growing up it was them in the country with um you know lamp and home sweet home lamp they never had anything else to do but engage each other right that's yeah, true yeah they're talking to each other are you playing are you sleeping are you at school are you and at church with people and real I, people real people and i give you i give you a scenario with my partner at the time i mean she and i would be in the same bed and i'd be messaging her and uh, it would seem like it's for fun, but in a way, it's kind of weird. It is weird. Like, that why would you message somebody beside you in a bed? I've done it before. I've messaged somebody at a, well, right in front of me, just for the fun of it. But, but no, then the conversation was, continues. This was, this was a real conversation. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm kind of hungry. Can you get me something to eat? And she's like, okay, fine. And she gets up. And I'm thinking that that's where persons are now. We're, we're more technologically advanced. We're more engaging when it comes on to technology and social media. But... It's just promoting that sense of loneliness. I was going to say we're very connected, but somewhat detached. Right, right. I wouldn't even say somewhat. We're very detached. We're very detached. From, eh? from one another. You ever walk into spaces and you see people in a room where there's a dead gap in time and look at people. Everybody has a phone in their hand. Everybody. Yes. And I know that person will jump and say, oh, it's the younger persons. I have seen persons mm -hmm. up into their 80s mm -hmm. and 90s mm -hmm. on their smartphones mm -hmm. constantly. Yeah. I know that at some of the universities and, and one of the universities that I teach at, we have a situation where you have to put up signs to say, look up yeah. when you reach the road. <laughs> right. Because people are just, their heads are all always down and so they can step out into the road. And so, yes, we're more connected, but I find we're, we're a, a lot more persons are lonely. They're, they're, they're always on other people's pages. They're always engaging, but they just feel like nothing is going on in their lives and they're not able to connect on a real level with other people. And I think social media specifically um, creates um, isolation or loneliness because we see so many things that we're not. I mean, this is a conversation. I, I mean, I'm afraid to see what may happen in maybe the next one to two decades in terms of mental health illnesses tied to social media. Right. Because even... I think I feel like I bridged the gap of the old school and the new school and I still am compelled to check my phone multiple times. Especially after you post something too. And even though you ain't say you don't feel like you need to be validated by it, of course there's some validation you get from it. Cause why would you be checking it so much to see who comments and who likes it? You look, you want to look. Yeah. I'm not saying you change your day for it. Some people do. I don't, but but I want to see sometimes. Right. And I think that's one of the points that many persons want but don't know how to express the need or the want for validation right and when we don't feel validated when we don't feel as though we're important is a part of what we've been discussing all along that is one of the major contributing factors to feeling lonely where again you're questioning your self-worth you're questioning yourself you're questioning so many things about you and then you don't have anybody to validate you and you yourself 
don't validate yourself. Right. You you don't even know how to validate yourself. Right. It's very hard to validate yourself actually. You feel like you need to get it from outside, but you really don't. And then again, culturally, we're not necessarily a people who enjoy or indulge in persons saying nice things nice things about right. us. Right. Or in others' success or we're not really a soccer mom culture, I like to say. Right. We're quicker to call a fault right. than to praise a praise a, a positive. A positive. Yeah. And I see that with my clients. Because when, when a lot of my clients come in with these issues and I say, I want you to look at your life and see how well you have done up to this point. They start to shy away and they're like, I don't think so. I don't feel that way. Until... I help them to change the language that they have been telling themselves that they need to be validated by others or they don't think that they're any good any at all. But they can start by validating themselves and then if others validate them, then fine. How weird is it for you to somewhat self-treat yourself? Meaning, you know what to tell a client, but it's also the same self-conversation you have to have. You know, how how do you do that sometimes? Or do you think you need to go and find someone else to counsel you is the more appropriate thing to do? I don't think I need to. I definitely do go out and seek and see, the help. And seek the help. Mm-hmm. Because, again, I'm human. And as much as I'm a mental health professional, I am tempted to self-treat. I'm yeah. tempted to go out and to try and figure out how I can fix everything. But I realize I can't. Yeah, I don't write prescriptions for myself, so... So I guess it's the same thing, right? Right. But once you engage somebody... Now, I have a therapist. Yeah. So every therapist needs a therapist. Mm-hmm. And so when I'm, when I'm dealing with somebody, and say that the person is dealing with the same kind of issues I deal with, I have to push everything that I'm feeling or my own struggles to the back of my mind and just totally engage my clients. You have to separate. I have to separate while empathizing and understanding. When I leave the session now and I feel a loneliness or I feel like I'm not functioning as well as I should, I go and I find my therapist and I say, hey, this is what's going on. How do I begin to fix this? Right, I like that. Because then you wouldn't also want to bring your fears and insecurities with your problem into into the therapy session with another client as well. Right, right. Wonderful stuff. Um, I want to touch on one thing I was going to ask you later, but I'll ask you now since you brought it up. Have you ever opened your Instagram and felt left out? And by that, I mean, you open the stories, you see a close friend, and you realize they're out on a field trip. And you think to, to yourself, but me and that person, they're close. How come you never get invited? Like, that's the initial thought. Even though at the core of it, you know that you really don't have to be invited. Right. Because right. it has nothing to do with you. You don't have them taking them cousin out on a day trip. You don't know if them and them person gone a country. You have no reason to be a part of this. But somewhere in your mind, you've orchestrated a storyline. We were like, but I'm close enough to them. Why wasn't I invited? How do you feel about that? That is being left out. That happens to me, I would say, too often. (laughs) (laughs) Which just makes you feel more alone, right? Yes, it does. And, I mean, I would say to somebody, oh, let's go here, let's go there. And they're like, no, I'm busy. And then you see them on Instagram. Next weekend, they're the same place where they want to go. Right. And, you know, they say, bunny, you know, but at the same time... You don't know the circumstances. You don't know the circumstances. And it, 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 it does play a lot of mind tricks on you. Yeah. So you begin again. We come, keep coming back to it. You begin to question your self-worth. And one of the things, too, that I see on WhatsApp is when people put up their status and they say, oh, happy birthday to my brother, to my friend, to my close companion and then you're just waiting and your birthday comes and goes and nobody not posts that status posting not even get a screenshot nothing <laughs> in another picture wall right <laughs> so you know and those things those things do contribute to a feeling of loneliness and it can post- potentially accumulate too because you might start having a little scorecard like a low-key scorecard in your head for each person Definitely. like okay so you've gone to the beach today all right so you're in the park tomorrow right, this is the right. third time you haven't invited me out right and those things, those things, whether we like to admit it or not, do they do affect us. I like that we're saying it because level. this is actually how it plays out in the minds of people sitting down at the home scrolling through the phone. And the the ugly side of it is that your response may be withdrawal when the person on the other end having a good time had no intention to hurt you. Right. Um, they're just living their life. 
mm. and they're entitled to live it and post it and you have now created a storyline that has caused you to retract right now talk to them malice and you know i'm 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 happy that you said that because i've had situations where i've said to friends hey i see you're posting i don't even invite me they said when was the last time you invited me out well yeah clap back wow ouch all right so so there's a clap back and um you know what i'm glad you brought that point up too because that's something i've stopped doing and um this now comes down to personal responsibility in terms of how you choose to respond I never see somebody post somewhere and ask them why I wasn't invited. That's me personally. But I had to get to this stage. I feel like maybe a couple of years, I would have probably asked specific friends. Right. But now I'm at a stage where I could see anybody anywhere. And I swear to God, when I ask you, because I've decided that I don't have the right to be there unless you, unless you want me there. And if you haven't invited me, then I didn't make your list. And that's fine. But at the same time, it could be that the person wants to engage on a different level. What I find at times, you know, is that sometimes the people who they go out with or or friends who go out and they're having a grand time, they're not necessarily as close to those persons as they are to us. But we have already created a script in our minds and we're sticking to that script. Yeah, and it may not, as again, it may not be that deep for them. It may not be that serious for the person planning the trip. So they're not really feeling like they're leaving anybody out. But I am always reminding another friend, other friends of mine that adding one person to a dynamic can change the entire energy of the dynamic. Right. So, you know, I may want to go with Bob and Susie this time around, but maybe Marlon is not a good fit for them. Right, right. So I don't invite Marlon because all of we now go work out today. Right. And, uh, and that's a conscious decision, and that's fine too. Right, because I mean... If, if they're going out to, say, a beach party and they, they know that I, I used to be a full-time minister of religion and they're whining and going on, they may not feel very comfortable. I'm very comfortable with what I want, <laughs> want to do. <laughs> right. But, you know, again, that, that's the situation. People create stories in their minds. Yeah. but they, And that's funny. That, that person has also created a story which has now left you out, which may not really be true. Because right. they might think that this setting won't work, but it actually wouldn't be a problem if all of us were together. But anyway, such is life, right? That's true. And you know, one of the questions that I, I always ask persons who feel lonely is, when was the last time you took yourself out on a date? All right, let's go right there since oh. you're there. All right, um, ways to combat loneliness. Taking yourself out on a date, what do you mean by that? Literally just going out and you dress nicely. You go for dinner by yourself by yourself yes you enjoy your company and this is where it's going to become very important it is not burdening your mind with the problems that you have but it's just simply enjoying who you are and celebrating that i love that and it's not only just about enjoying who you are and celebrating that it's about living in a moment and enjoying the moment because we often feel like Great things won't happen when we're alone, right? Right. I could go to Latin night, and I'm using this as a great example because it's a space where you can go in and learn to dance, learn the moves between like seven to eight, and then they do the regular dance in eight to eleven. I could walk in there alone. I'll find somebody who doesn't have a partner. I'll meet someone new. I'll learn to dance with them, and I could dance the night away without my regular friends. Right. And that could be so cool. And I mean, on my side. I'm a foodie. Right. So I love experimenting with new kinds of food. And when I see some things on the menu that I can't even pronounce and I'm able to eat it and enjoy and engage and I can say, you know, I did something for myself. Exactly. And you tasted something new and that was the experience. And that was the experience. Also, just being out by yourself, you learn things about yourself. About the venue, about yourself. Right. And whether persons consider that there is a God or we consider the universe. Sometimes the universe or God wants to teach us something in that, uh, in that moment when we're alone. So that I was going to say, you also can take a picture of the food and post on your Insta story. So somebody can say, Marlon, where are they? And why never invite me? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> um, um, but create that, some jealousy there as well. Create some jealousy. No, we're not, we're not going to go tit for that. Um, but what you just said is, is, is so right. Um, about that whole self-dating thing 
right. and creating a space for yourself where you can enjoy and celebrate yourself and enjoy moments. Right, right. So that means we need to be more open. We need to be op- more open. Also, one of the, the important things for us to do is, as we had said before, to change the script in our minds. We tend to have a one-tracked mind mm-hmm. all the time when it mm-hmm. comes on to certain things. So I'm feeling alone. I'm feeling lonely. I can't connect. Therefore, there's something wrong with me. And then it just gets progressively worse. Right. But the minute we start to change the way we talk to ourselves, that's a very important thing. And I give you a scenario. My son listens to the same CD over and over and over again. It's and not Baby Shark, is it? It's not Baby okay, Shark. Okay, cool. I like Baby Shark, though. Don't I like Baby wrong. Shark, too, but no. And when he wants to listen to the CD, it's just that CD alone. And I changed it one day, and he threw a tantrum mm, you mess at up four his years mojo, old. Yeah. Don't mess up his mojo. No, but no, apparently that's his favorite CD, no. The new one? The new one. Ah. And what I'm saying is that at times we can change the script in our minds. And yes, we will throw a tantrum because it's uncomfortable. It's a new way of thinking. It's validating ourselves. But that helps in a lot of ways to improve our mood and and the feeling of loneliness. And I'll even reword it another way too. Challenge yourself. Because you challenged him. You challenged his musical script and he resisted. And it turns out that he, he liked it. Right. Oh, wow. That's great. Um, all right. So we mentioned self-date. Right. Positive self-talk. Change the narrative in your head. Right. What other ways you think we can probably try to help ourselves? So we're in the self-help space, space now before we even get to seeking outside help. Right, right. It is also about changing the environment that we're in. Mm-hmm. So if that means that we're around our desk doing work and we feel lonely or among friends, Taking a walk, walking outside of the situation does help to change our mood. Let me tell you. Yeah, working in a coffee shop helps change my entire mood too if I feel alone. Because then there are people around me who aren't my friends, but I'm in a space where people are. Right, right. And something about it changes my energy. Definitely. And even doing something physical. There's something I did with my clients. And again, this is something that I've done on my own as well. Where I'm in a personal space. I'm by myself, but I'm feeling lonely. And the thoughts getting worse and worse. And I just get up and start jumping up and down for no reason at all. Uh, I'm like, why am I jumping up and down? This feels awkward. This feels weird. But then I start laughing but at myself. But it feels awesome. Then it begins to feel awesome. It feels awkward at first. But then it, it really begins to allow you to feel different. All right. Let me throw um, another thing to you. Same article from, from Harvard Business School. It mentions how loneliness is hard to measure and that it's not as simple as measuring blood pressure. But there's a diagram here which shows the basics of a social network size. And an average network has several close ties that are often in contact and many acquaintances that add substance to the network. And a low scoring network has more weak or absent ties that lack qualities like mutual confiding or reciprocal, reciprocal interest. Um, what do I want you to say about this? Um, this, this, I mean, it's adding to more reasons why people could feel lonely. So if you have someone that you can't confide in, right. And you have someone that you cannot do the things that you like with. Right. These are some of the things that could help to make you feel more lonely. Lonely. Right. Yeah. I, I totally agree with that because again, when, when you have a small circle or, you're feeling paranoid around with the persons around you that contributes to a sense of loneliness as well yeah let's um also talk a little bit about two one one thing but going in two different directions um same article speaks about how loneliness affects our body and and it's pretty much saying that um it can affect the immune system it can cause over time being lonely causes certain hormones to be released in the brain that right. can affect everything from your sugar levels to your blood pressure. Right. Um, how do you feel about 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 that? Definitely. And again, working in the hospital context, we find where a lot of persons come in, they're not feeling well, they're having a lot of physical ailments, and they realize that there is just no definable medical basis for it. Right. Or the root is not medical. Right. It's mental. Mm-hmm. And so there are a lot of 
persons who come in to the hospital settings or even to my office and they're having a lot of physical symptoms and it is other times tied to the emotions or the feelings that they're having right and if we're speaking specifically about loneliness loneliness yes it does affect blood pressure immune system a lot of these areas that we don't really think about or we don't make the connection between the two and loneliness especially has been tied to a number of of dare i say mental illnesses and i want to make a clear distinction for our listeners i think we use the word medical like healthcare providers and when we say that um mental some mental things are medical they fall under medical illnesses right? right but when we say medical we mean sometimes you can have a medical illness that causes you to have depression or mental symptoms which is a little bit different because the mental things are secondary or as a cause of the or from happening secondary to the medical thing primarily whereas this case we're talking about loneliness being the primary or maybe the only well in some instances and it probably rarely is the only you know yeah yeah but it could be the only right and as, as using medical because it's the broad umbrella for everything right so yes mental and medical mental and physical Fall rather. Under, mm-hmm. right under medical and, and so let's find out a person separating the two but i think that they're tied in a lot of ways which is why some mental illnesses can be treated with medication right but we we, we usually recommend that if persons are being treated with medicine they would also need therapy as well as well right like the two go together like you do cardiovascular and weightlifting as a complete workout right so for us again we we subscribe to in 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 the helping profession right we talk about the biomed the biopsychosocial model that we align to so we deal with the body we deal with the mind and we also deal with the social as well and i do appreciate you saying helping profession because i really haven't come over to that term but i like it because it is all encompassing and i'm getting that's where we're moving right. to saying the helping profession right right and it encompasses all the different players and people involved right right so not just psychologists and psychiatrists but right. we have other professionals other working together community health aids a whole bag of other people yeah, occupational therapists mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. that that contribute to your mental health right um what are some of the detrimental effects of loneliness i think we already know some already right well, one of the things that works hand in hand with loneliness is, of course, depression. We have other situations where loneliness impacts even your your sexual right your libido. Libido, so, right. so right, you're not performing well. Because right. but but this is maybe the loneliness is leading to depression, leading to decreased libido. Right, but it's not as clear cut as that, or streamlined as that, or right? Streamlined as that. <laughs> that 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 boom boom. Because we, 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 we like to say, oh, this leads to this, leads to that, leads to that. Well, that's not necessarily the case. Yeah. Maybe loneliness came first. Maybe the other symptoms came first. But they're all working together to bring us to a, a lower state of, of, of health. Right, which is affectioning, affecting our overall overall functioning. Right. And I mean, of course, other detrimental effects could be suicide, parasuicide. Right. Right, because people just can't cope. And that's when you reach down to them levels there. Right. You want to end it. And again, yes, yes. For suicide, that's definitely the case. And I mean, I'm not a suicide specialist, but I do know that loneliness is a major contributing factor to, to that right. high instance. What are some of the medical illnesses that are off the top of your head that you can think of that can cause you to feel depressed? And maybe your depression is causing you to isolate or feel lonely. Things like cancer. Mm-hmm. diabetes and cancer might be directly due to the fact they think you're going to die so that right. one is <laughs> is like the consequences depressing you right, um, right, right i know thyroid disease can be the actual harm hormonal changes right can affect your mood and mm. that's funny enough that's exactly what i'm dealing with For right now yeah. yeah yeah and again i i like this forum because it shows that hey we as healthcare providers are human, are human as well. So what did you well. find out about the thyroid, if you don't mind sharing? No, I don't mind. I have hypothyroidism or Hashimoto's. That's what they think it is. Right. That's and what and it, it was is. a blood test that picked up what? That picked up that there was an abnormal level of... It's thyroid stimulating hormone, TSH. Yeah? Right, TSH. It was higher than it should be. Much, much higher than it should be. And so that was what was contributing to a lot of the various challenges that I was facing, 
in terms of feeling lonely, uh, mood swings. Well, we're making that conclusion now, right? Right. But I mean, the truth is, no, but the truth is, at the time when you were going through those things, you probably weren't thinking that you could have had an underlying medical condition that may have been supporting it. So it may have been life and it may have been the medical condition on both. Right. Or one more than the other. And but one of the things that I had to do, even before finding out what was going on and all these things, I had to come to a place where I accepted that this is a part of my struggle. Right. I don't think many people are able to do that. And me knowing you as an individual, I know you're also a, um, a health-seeking type person. So right. you are you aggressively um, will check out something if something is wrong, right. something is off. You usually check on it. And that's not common for a lot of men in our Jamaican culture particularly. Right. So right. kudos to you for that. Because I think if you weren't as aggressive in seeking a first and a second and a third opinion, then you wouldn't have gotten the answers right. that you needed. Because eventually you're going to stumble upon it if you're, if you're interested. Right. And I think that that's the kind of attitude that, that we need to adopt as a country mm-hmm. where persons don't wait until everything is falling apart before you start to seek help in various ways. If you're beginning to feel lonely and it's beginning to affect your everyday life, you go out and you seek the help. I know that whenever I'm not at my optimum and it's, it's getting to a place where it's very uncomfortable, I know that it is time for me to go and, and, and seek the help that I need. Right. Right. Um, Here, well, no. What were you going to say? No, so I'm saying that to tie that into what we were saying before with the whole matter of of loneliness, we find we're we're not seeking the kind of help that we need to. And it may come as a result of just biological or other factors, but it may be influenced by mental illness. Um, Things like depression, anxiety, again, may influence. So we need to look at it from all directions. So maybe if you are feeling alone or lonely, you should question whether you might be going through something deeper and you should seek help. Or it could be medical causing the mental symptoms that you need to seek help there too. I mean, this is a weird plug for me because I usually don't do this, but there is something on a blood form called an executive panel. There's right. executive male and executive female. A lot of adults, once they hit a certain age, start to do them annually. They choose to do them around their birthday. They just pick a milestone date and they do them annually. And I encourage it because it is blood, urine, and stool at the test. Right. And pretty much it's a... I want my listeners to think of it as a baseline screen. You check your blood count. Check your white cell count. You check your thyroid, your liver, your kidney function. Right. It covers such a broad base that really what the aim of it is to do is if one of these things start to go out of whack, right. maybe you'll catch it in the blood test before it catch you. Exactly. And um, it's something that your doctor can write up for you. So, you know, if you're feeling your prostate for the men, you check your PSA. It doesn't hurt because that's kind of how you randomly stumbled on it. Somebody said, let's do your thyroid. Right. And then here we are. And here we are. And I'm thinking also that for us as psychologists, we don't want persons to just come when things are falling apart. You can come when you just think that there's something that you just need to work on Yeah. before it begins to intensify. Well, this is the second time I'll mention that I am interested in this year in going for a mental health checkup. Yeah. Um, not because I necessarily feel I'm having problems, but I feel it might be good for me to talk through some stuff. Right, right. Um, Some available on... (laughs) (laughs) Actually, why not? Marlon, how can people find you? But we're going to still talk some more about how can people find you in your professional capacity? All right. I operate primarily out of St. Joseph's Hospital on Deanery Road. But I also have a private practice on Meadowbrook, Maine. And persons can contact me via email. It's yahwehguide at gmail.com or on my cell phone. 876-260-4077. 876-260-4077. Please spell Yahweh Guide, but I'll put it in the show notes as well so people can actually go on the web on the web page for this episode and you'll find Marlon's information if you want to to find him. All right. It's Y-A-H-W-E-H-G-U-I-D-E. Yahweh Guide at gmail.com. For the people that will never go, go read the Bible. <laughs> oh, wow. All right. So wait, Marlon, I'm not done with you. I have mm-hmm. other, what else I want to ask you? I want to know... So we've done, we discussed a whole lot of things, actually. Consequences of, of um, loneliness, being alone versus loneliness, whether it's the primary or it's secondary. Right. 
um, suicide, depression, um, lots of cool stuff. Uh, I guess we've kind of touched on how we can get out of the lonely cycle, positive self-talk, right. um, seeking help, right. changing the narrative. I want to touch on something random because you know I love the random things in this show. Oh, yes, I do. Um, <laughs> uh, dating apps and online dating as a solution of getting out. I have a couple of friends who have had success stories with online dating. Mm. And I mean, clearly it doesn't mean that you're lonely to online to date online, but it may mean that you're not really succeeding in the face-to-face of whichever environment you're in. Right, so you move right. online and then this site matches you up. Right. Um, I want you to touch on that. And I also want you to touch on the, how you feel about the sex, the hookup sites and, and our apps and uh, Tinder is what most people use. I think in, in the hetero world and in the other world, they use Grinder. Right. And um, yeah, people need to be hip to this stuff. If you don't know about it now, you know. Right. How you feel about all right, online dating first? Well, online dating, it it has its its positives and negatives. Yeah. And again, positive in the sense that we're already technologically advanced so we're always on social media we're always engaging persons on that level but when we move past the electronic way of communication to real face-to-face yeah that is where i think a lot of the problems are because we have become so used to communicating and connecting with persons on different apps but then the human connection is where the problem is and i say that because a lot of persons who come to me find it difficult to express themselves. They can always message me and tell me what's going on with them or what's happening throughout the day. But when it comes on to speaking to me face to face, that's where the difficulty is. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I I have had that, that problem as well. Right. Yes, I've been on a dating, dating app as well. Oh, wow. That's what you were just telling us. Confessions. Yeah. I've, yeah. I haven't done it. I, I'm not bold enough yet. All right. And... When you build a, a solid conversation with somebody and you feel like you're engaging them, but, and then when you meet up in person, you know, they're not it's as not engaging as. But you <laughs> as know, you it reminds me of why I speak about podcasts being audio versus video and audio. Because there is a power in, in audio when right. you can create your own visual. But they know you meet someone now and you both see each other, and they know you have a whole bag of other things factoring yeah. into yeah. whether you decide you like this person. When initially it was just based on the personality right. and maybe a picture. And then now we and have a bag of other factors. Is the picture true? Catfish episode. Right. I know. <laughs> see, I'm building your podcast. I know, right? <laughs> and one of the, that's one of the things as, as we talk about the, these apps where you're building conversations with persons, but we can't ignore that physical attraction is also important in connecting. And so you're building a good conversation. You don't really know or you're not really sure what this person looks like. And when you meet up in person, you realize this really isn't. Well, I'm assuming you're going to eventually meet. So maybe what I should ask you, are you for or against online dating? How do you feel in terms of as a solution of getting out of a lonely space? It Is it reasonable to do? I was trying to avoid that question. <laughs> but I, I personally, I don't think it's, it's a good way to... Based on your experience. Based on my experience. And based on some of my friends, I have two that are married and one that's dating successfully. But both of them did it in the US and the one who's dating is in the UK. And she did express that dating culture is very different in terms of type of men she met versus here. And she met some duds on the way to to the one that's a gem. Right, right. But she just said it's different from Caribbean because it's so small here. Anyway. Right. And not many people have that ability to to deal with a lot of the rejections that come with these sites or the duds that you they, know they, so they that's why i'm gonna go on it and become we can't bother with the rejection worse people are the normal face out the road right, so when right. them say, them, say you are mario evan that panda thing and no right but that's some of my reasons are a little different right, i'll right. meet people face to face i go. meet a lot of them anyway so <laughs> so <laughs> in my day to day so right wow all right, what I want to do now, Marlon, is just kind of figure out where you are now in your journey. I'm not going to call it a loneliness journey, mm-hmm. but um, you said you've experienced being alone, being lonely. Right. Um, you also work with clients and see their experiences. I know you're actually dealing with finding out about a new, a new illness that you may be having. Um, how do you feel about, about loneliness? Feel like you've coped well? Um, you feel like you're in a positive, in a positive space regarding regarding the whole topic of being alone 
I think for me, yes, I'm on a positive. I'm on the positive side right now, and I will continue to be on the positive side because I have to speak that into being right for my own life. But it began with me embracing the thought that hey, not all is well with me, right? And I think that's where the conversation needs to begin with ourselves, where we begin to look at ourselves and say, hey, I'm not okay. I need to work on some things. And that's what I that's what I did. I had to say to myself that look, there are some things that need to change and the first thing that needs to change is my attitude towards what I'm going through now. And I think that's where it really began to sink in for me that even though loneliness is something that is involuntary largely, right. we have the power to change the script in our own minds. And so for me, I've been able to be on that journey where I don't I do feel lonely yeah. still. Yeah. But it doesn't last as long as it used to. I'm feeling a lot more comfortable with myself. I'm going out by myself more right. often and I'm engaging myself more. And I think that's so important for many of us. Unlike everything, we continue to journey. Right. Um for myself I think I listen to my body a lot. So I normally feel when I'm a little bit off. Right. But I think I am going to now be more careful of discerning between whether I'm socially isolating right. versus um, whether it's voluntary versus involuntary right. and also whether I think it's healthy versus it being unhealthy. Right. And I know personally that I am so busy, I can, I can occupy time with work. Right. And I think sometimes we busy up ourselves and being busy might actually be some kind of weird coping mechanism for covering your loneliness right so you know these are things that i'm going to try come to terms with too and again before the year is out i'm going to come on and talk through it i'm going to tell people about my first counseling experience all right that's awesome yeah it's going to happen because we're going to do it yes mental health is as important as any other health and we need to start um really encouraging people to treat it as such right and you know as as a note I have an Instagram page called Love Your Mind. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And I, I I did it because I was saying that so many times I see people who are exercising and they're moving and they're, they're grooving and they're in the gym, but nobody really talks about loving your mind. Yeah. Loving that part that you can't touch. Yeah, if I could massage it, I'd massage it. There we go. There we go. And so that's and that's spelled love your mind. L O V E Y O U R M I N D. Right. Love your mind. Well, on under, Instagram. Underscore oh. on both sides. Ah, gotcha. Underscore love your mind. Underscore. Right. Right. Yeah. I'll throw that in the show notes as well. All right. No problem. You have any final words? Love your mind. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, and embrace embrace the challenges. Embrace the realities that you have. Accept who you are, and just learn that we all go through different challenges. We all go through our own struggles but once you learn to accept them and start to work on who we are and to build ourselves we we're indomitable indomitable um marlon i thank you for being here i i respect everybody who comes to my table here at, at talk truth and because the vulnerability and the openness to share to a wide audience as our audience grows a lot of people hear your story right. and um i know that it touches many people and encourages them to go and change and do something different so thank you thanks for being here and folks i'll put all of marlon's information in the show notes if you're feeling lonely or alone you know that you're not alone because there's a lot of help out here and um go take yourself on a date go shake a leg um thanks again marlon all right thank you guys so much for listening to episode 11 of talk looking forward to bringing you some brand new twists to the podcast as we grow and move forward look out for them there will be some little cool elements that are going to be coming in so again excited for those thank you guys for listening from all over the world we have listeners coming from as far as australia we see y'all in china we see you all in the uk the us canada the caribbean it is really to see the cool, really cool to see the back-end statistics that i see that you don't but guess what one day i'll share them with you all right 
I wanted to let you know that episode number nine actually has a video component and that's on my YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash Mario Evan. And it's in the Talk Truth with Mario Evan folder if you're into playlists. Um, all the episodes exist in an audio format on YouTube if you're a YouTuber. But just this one episode, part one with Randy Rowe on personal financial freedom, Randy allowed me to collect some footage of him and I recording at the Hub Co-working Jamaica. And so you actually get to see a little bit of visual, a little bit of what it feels like. My eyes are planted in the laptop and sometimes I'm looking at Randy, a whole bag of things are going on. It was just like a teaser so you could see a little bit of the behind the scenes. But as far as I'm concerned, we'll be remaining audio. But um, take a glance at that video and check it out. And again, thank you so much for the support. Thank you for remaining here with us at Talk Truth, a place where your truth shall become your power and set you free. My name is Mario Evan. Again, such a pleasure. Can't wait to talk to you next Sunday. Blessed love.